Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Tonight, we have a full crew again. We have George and Zach joining in. So you can follow George on Twitter at jmontanez90, and you can follow Zach at BrafZ. Now, guys, how you doing? Doing good. Good to be back. I missed you guys. I was uh, I was gone for a few days, so uh, it's good to be back and talking some baseball and and watching uh, watching my Mets. And yeah, it's good to have baseball back. It's not good to have you back though, buddy. Oh, um, that's a lie. <laughs> how are you doing, George? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm glad that uh, to be here and baseball's back. We have some box scores. We have some stats. We're getting points here in our leagues. So excited. Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're here episode 10 guys. And to be completely honest, I mean, I'm surprised we're pumping episodes out way faster now. I'm so much, I'm just glad to have you guys here with me. This wasn't, this was part of the plan or I should say this wasn't really part of the plan, but things are going, things are going good on our end and we're happy to bring you more episodes more often now like i said this is episode 10 we're going to do a uh, week one recap some news and notes and we're going to talk some ad drops and go from there i mean there's a lot of exciting things going on a lot of questions hopefully we're going to try to provide some answers but like i said before we jump into things we're gonna go ahead and speak on some recent news now the first thing we'll just you know talk about real quick marquez and acuna and grishuk actually they all got extended today by their teams. Good for them. Anytime players get paid. The Acuna deal actually seems like a relative steal, considering they're getting him for eight years. But other than that, good for these guys. But as far as relevant news goes, the first thing we're going to touch on is uh, Daniel Murphy. He has a broken finger, and and Bud Black came out and was talking about that it's at least a month for him. I'm thinking four to six, maybe even eight weeks. You just never know. Rehab, setbacks, et cetera. I always look at people, you know, there's coach speaking in his real life, and I always feel like coach speak is always more optimistic. So what do you guys have to th- – what do you guys think about that one? I think it's probably at minimum a month. I feel like that was a very generous timetable by Bud Black. Hopefully six weeks is more accurate, but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if it's a more serious injury and you're looking at possibly two months. Um, it hurts. From the fantasy perspective, uh, I know a lot of us had a lot invested in Murph. He's a great Roto player. Um, it's it's definitely going to hurt, but it should be interesting to see how McMahon and Hampson benefit from Murph being out. Yeah, if they benefit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who knows with the Rockies, you know. Um, we did hear that Murphy was going to get a, a second opinion on his finger to see if there was tendon damage. So we haven't heard anything about that yet. Uh, if there is, that can obviously extend how long he's going to be out. Um, and then even if when he does come back, who knows how that's going to affect you know any power. Now, as far as the uh, lineup implications, you know you would hope to see McMahon you know slide back over to first base and Hampson get more time at second. I know today Hampson did play uh, at second base. Uh, he started uh, batted second in the lineup. Uh, McMahon actually had the day off and they played Mark Reynolds. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how they play this going forward, but we, we'd hope to see those two young uh, bats in the lineup. Yeah. I'm scared that Mark Reynolds is not going to go away. <laughs> well, that's the problem, man. The Rockies, I said it as soon as I saw that lineup. I'm like, well, my tweet didn't age well because I was tweeting about how great it was going to be that Hampson's going to get a shot, and then 
literally the next day. He got a shot the first day, the second day. Reynolds was in the lineup, and I'm like, oh, this is the Rockies. They're like the opposite of typical fantasy, you know, everything and ageism. They love, they love their old guys. They actually don't stray away from them like most teams do. So instead of progressing, we'll see where that goes. But obviously, we're all rooting for Hampson just because he's the more exciting player for both the real team and fantasy purposes. So. Moving on from Murphy, the Yankees just can't catch a break. Hicks is out. Let's just add Stanton and Andujar to that. Stanton, bicep strain, he's shut down for at least 10 days, and then they're going to reevaluate. It's a grade one strain. That's the lowest severity. So I've heard as little as three weeks. I'm, again, a little pessimistic on injury, so I would say a month or so to play it safe. That's the second time this guy has gotten hurt swinging a bat. He actually broke his hammock bone a couple years ago, I believe just swinging the bat. He swings that hard. Yeah. He has a very aggressive swing. He's a very, it's a very powerful swing. It's very, uh, just, it's scary. Every time he swings a bat, he hurts himself. It's weird. Knickknack injuries. People want to call him injury prone, but it's never something that's consistent. It's always something weird. So I still don't think, I think it's just a fluke injury. Nothing to really be concerned about once he's back. The Yankees are going to take their time. I assume, but although that slow start is concerning. The only good thing about this is that we're going to get to see some Clint Frazier, which I know you're excited about, Mike. I mean, this is this is really going to show us if he's the real deal or not, and hopefully they can commit to him if he's the real deal. They did say, I read something today that said they're going to give him regular reps in left field, so yeah. that's good. But he's going to be the guy. Like you said, I'm excited, but it's funny because I was excited come draft season because he was like a free pickup or a dollar at the end of auctions or whatever. He was like the last pick in a draft. And like now my, my waiver priority is lower because I'm very aggressive on waivers. So my waiver – and this is probably the downfall because my waiver priority was lower. I didn't want to really spend a lot of fab on them because I just don't know. I don't trust the Yankees to do the right thing for some reason. I guess they've let me down when it comes to Frazier in the past. So I don't really, I didn't get them anyway. I have one, I think one or two shares of them, like nothing spectacular, which is for me, that's like 10% of my leagues. So I saw you picked them up in our listeners league. Well, that's because first come first serve and I don't, <laughs> and I, I don't wait, but I guess the bigger injury here, I mean, Stanton's obviously the bigger implication and like the bigger injury implication as far as what's going to do to your lineups. But Anduhar is the more severe injury. There's unknown timetable. It, there's been talks of season-ending injury. He's gonna try. I think that he's gonna try the rest and rehab route. I, I mean, the person who gets a bump from this is probably DJ LeMahieu. He probably gets a full-time gig out of this, so his value probably goes up. But it's like quietly gone up. I don't really see a lot of people talking about him, and we all know he's solid. So I would say LeMahieu is the winner from this, if there is one. I did see yeah. something on – sorry, George. Uh-huh. I, I did see something on Twitter earlier today that Greg Bird had a similar injury, a labor injury a few years ago, and he did try to play through it. And I guess it, it worked for a little bit. I think this was the breakout season that we saw from Bird. Um, he played through it, but then the following season it flared up again, and that's when you really saw the injuries take over, and he had to sit out pretty much the, the whole season. So it should be interesting. It sounds like he is going to try to rehab it at first, but I don't know. This sounds like it could have long-term effects. Yeah, definitely. And we'll see what happens when Aaron Hicks comes back as well. I know he's getting ready to start uh, some baseball activity. Uh, He's probably still a few weeks away. uh, But, you know, when he comes back, he should be the everyday center fielder. And then, uh, you know, but until then, Frazier is going to have every opportunity to to win – every day at bats. Now, as far as LeMahieu goes, yeah, I mean, 
he definitely wins here. And, you know, if he, if he's available in, you know, shallower leagues, 10 team leagues, 12 team leagues, uh, you know, he, he's a good pickup, you know, he's going to get, have a good batting average and uh, you know, score some runs there in that park with that lineup. I mean, I think, I think that covers the Yankees. They can't just catch a break between the slow start. Like they losing the losing to the Orioles and all this terrible stuff. And I think that they lost tonight is, I think they lost tonight as well. <laughs> yeah. Aroldis Chapman blew the save. You know, the one encouraging thing has actually been their, their starting pitchers. You know, they, their starting pitchers have, have been pretty good so far. Um, Tanaka started strong. Yesterday we saw Domingo Herman come out and pitch well against the, the Tigers. And then uh, Loizaga is actually going to get called up to, to make a spot start, I believe, tomorrow. So essentially the bats just haven't come around yet. It's still early. Things like this I'm not too worried about. The Orioles, I'm not suddenly thinking they have a chance because they, they don't. <laughs> I don't care if they won again tonight. They, they're not going to win more than 60 games. I think it's just a hot start. I'm not really buying in. VR looks good. He's hit a home run, got a steal last few games. like Stuff like that. There's certain players – that maybe I would maybe look, take a look at in fantasy, but as far, but otherwise, I don't know. I'm not a real believer in the Orioles as a whole. So I think the Yankees are going to be just fine. I think what helps them is that, you know, Boston's been struggling too, and that's one of their bigger, you know, competitors in that division. So no one's really looked good in that division, actually, have they? Besides the Orioles, which we know is, is a fallacy. So I think that division's definitely up for grabs already. <laughs> well, I think you're forgetting about the, one of the best teams in baseball right now, Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, I did watch. Why did I forget about them? I love, I love. They're always forgotten. <laughs> I live in Central yeah. Florida, man. I love me some Rays too, and I, I just, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot about them. I think just all this craziness going on in the AL East, and the Rays are just kind of, you know, quietly dominating. They have one yeah. loss. <laughs> the, the Rays have looked fantastic. They've been one of the more, you know, fun teams to watch so far this season for me. Uh, uh, um, and you know, one thing about them. Jose Alvarado watching Jose Alvarado you know close out games for the Rays like could he be one of like the best maybe end the season as the best pitcher and uh closer in the American League this year he's got some nasty stuff what was what was it the year what was it Colome had 40 plus saves for this team yeah he and he was years ago 2017 I think something like that he was one of the and he he ended up being the number one closer in fantasy that year because of all the save opportunities again I mean you're it's not far it's not that you know, far out there to think that that's possible. They do have Diego Castillo, who's actually really good as well. He did get the one save opportunity where Alvarado, where Alvarado wasn't available. So I guess if he struggles, there's a short leash though, because they're obviously a team that's competing. They're a team that's on a hot start. If Alvarado blows a save or two, he might be in trouble versus having a, a leash of a, of an elite guy. So that might be the difference between him being, you know, someone you can count on versus, um, versus like a Diaz type. But I think at the end of the season, it's not far-fetched to say he could be one of the best, if not the best closer in the AL this year, as far as fantasy purposes go, because of that team being a lot better than we expected. Or maybe they've always been that good, just everybody's so caught up in the other teams in that division. Like, I forgot about them, and I, I like the Rays. So, there you go. Whoa. Someone has someone has a fire truck in the background. <laughs> Hear that. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> well... Well, hopefully that's not signed to come for what's going to happen to the Rays. That's bad. That'd be bad news. <laughs> but anyways, so moving on. Tonight, again, it's it's Tuesday night. We're recording. And I was watching the Phillies and the Nats game. 
And a really concerning thing happened. I was watching Trey Turner go try to lay down a bump. A bump. <laughs> I, was, I watched Trey Turner try to put down a bunt, and he got hit in his finger. Went down in pain. Trainer came out, was pulling on it, was like feeling on his finger, I guess trying to see if it was like obviously broken or obviously injured. Couldn't actually, I guess, tell. But instead of getting up and, you know, I, I don't think he was – I think he was having a hard time trying to, you know, move his finger a lot. He just got hit with a probably close to like a mid-90s fastball off his finger. So it's probably numb as it is. And he just he, – you know, he trotted off the field and went straight back into the tunnel. But I haven't seen any new news or any news about it as of now. Just, uh, yeah, just x-rays for his right index finger. Um, it, it could be a lengthy absence. Um, Unfortunately. If it is, um, I think this bodes well for a guy like Victor, Victor Barney Robles. Um, could move him up to the top of the order, get some more stolen base action. I mean, probably going to have Eaton stay at the leadoff spot, but Robles could slide into that number two spot. Um, much better. I'm, I'm not happy with him batting ninth in that order. Um, I think two would be a much better spot if Turner's out for an extended period of time. Well, Robles, at the end of the day, is going to move up the batting order regardless because that's one spot. I think like, oh, if, Wil- if Wilmer Defoe is the uh, the replacement for Turner in the in the field, I think he would end up batting ninth or eighth or whatever. And regardless of moving up, I think Dozier might actually get the first chance or they, maybe they move Rendon up to second, Soto third, kind of move it up that way. That could happen. There's just, a, But I would like to see Robles get the – gosh, now I'm calling him Robles. I would like to see Robles get the chance – to uh, move to move up, obviously as well. What I wonder was, if it, if it's a long term absence. I mean, their their top prospect Carter Keyboom. It's a possibility. I think it's a little early for that. But I mean, if this is going to be a couple months absence here, it's a possibility. I mean, I think Keyboom would be a much bigger boost than Wilmer Defoe. Yeah, if, if Turner is out for an extended period of time, Keyboom is definitely uh, someone to keep an eye on. We've seen them be aggressive with their prospects. You know, uh, Robles was going to come up last year, and, you know, they didn't hesitate to bring up Soto. So, um, you know, and Soto then Rob- went from A ball to the majors in one season. They're a right. very aggressive team. Exactly. So, uh, Keyboom could be an interesting uh, name to keep an eye on if, if Turner misses time. So that covers some of the more pressing recent news, uh, some injury discussion, you know, maybe some options, some lineup implications. Now we're going to go ahead and move out, move on to week one standouts. Now this is going to be not just players, but this could be like lineup things you noticed or just stuff as a whole. What's out to you, Zach? So a few guys, I mean, obviously there's some guys that went very early in drafts um, that are really performing well so far after one week. And two of the guys that I think we would all agree upon is, is Yelich and Goldie at this point. Yelich is just picking up right where he left off last year. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, he's batting over 400 right now. He's got four home runs through his first five games eight RBIs. I mean, he's, he's raking, um, and Goldie, that stretch, what did he have? Uh, it was four home runs through his first five games also. I mean, they're both just performing out of this world right now and they're living up to the, the early round hype that they were taking in their fantasy drafts. So I'm, I'm impressed with both of those guys early on so far. George, you have anything? You can't forget about the home run leader right now, Chris Davis, doing Chris Davis things. He's got seven hits on the year. Five of them have left the park. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, Chris Davis just, you know, doing what he does. 
Is he Seriously? batting 247 after just, one week? I was just about to ask that. That's the more pressing question <laughs> to have answered. I don't care if he hits 40. He, I expect him to hit 40. I want to know his damn batting average. He's hitting, he's hitting 250. <laughs> oh, close. Wow, so close. Yeah, he'll get a strikeout here. and It'll all it'll even out. Don't worry. He'll oh, definitely yeah. strike out. <laughs> Everything will stabilize. We're four or five games in. But he's keeping it close and close to consistent. So... I'm going to play devil's advocate. You guys are talking about you're, – you're talking about players with hot starts. I'm just going to talk about, in general, like, there was a lot of aces that struggled <laughs> to start the year. Like the hitter, there's some great hitters go, doing their thing. But a couple of names that came to mind when I started thinking, I'm like Thor struggled. I guess you can call it struggling. Gave up a fourth run. Lost his I warned you. He had a great – dude, he looked great minus one extra run. Take away that run, he gets a quality start. We wouldn't be talking about him, but um, he, he lost his quality start, gave up four runs that game. Uh, Carrasco, Carrasco looked rough. Bueller had a terrible outing versus a terrible team. but And, and Strasburg as well. Strasburg had a rough outing. I think there's a couple more. Tyone had a rough outing. Snell had a first a rough first outing, although he came back strong tonight. Oh, man. Can't did he come back strong tonight. It was, it was impressive. Your buy low window is gone, by the way, uh, if there ever was one. But again, that goes back to it. You see how Snell bounced back. I almost forgot, I almost forgot Gringy, but Gringy, he's at that weird stage where he's I, I didn't count him as an ace. Some people did. And he's also at that age and he has that has that low velocity that it's just any year could be the year where he's just not Grinky anymore. So he'd be somebody I'm actually somewhat concerned about, but still somebody worth buying low for if you can get it for the right price. But other than him, I'd say almost any other <laughs> I'd say pretty much everybody else, I expect them to be just fine. So if your ace struggled their first start, a lot of them didn't even get much run, if any, in the preseason or in spring training, I should say. So a lot of them are still building up some, you know, building up some innings, getting some rust knocked off. A lot of them, most of them, if not all of them, will be just fine. I wouldn't stress it at all. Be patient yeah. with your studs, for sure. Essentially, yeah. The one thing I will add uh, is, you know, the, the Red Sox rotation for as, as a whole kind of struggled this first time around. You kind of wonder if uh, – you know, the World Series hangover, uh, you're pitching late into October. We kind of it's, – it's a talking point every year with, with uh, these rotations that, that pitch long into, into the fall. So playing off that, George, is there anything else that stood out to you for week one? Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, the, the strong start by Tampa Bay. Again, the, you know, they're one of the more interesting teams. Um, Alvarado was, you know, a closer that you were able to draft in, in the mid-rounds, maybe around pick 140, 150 who might actually end up being better than some of the guys that were going a lot earlier in the seventh and eighth round, uh, like a Trinan, you know, he, he might actually, you know, he's someone that has the higher strikeout upside. And if he's going to get all the save opportunities for Tampa Bay, you know, I, I can see him as the most valuable closer uh, in the AL. Regardless, regardless of how hot of a starter he, he's had, and regardless of how good he's been, that is bold, but it's not crazy. It's bold, but it's not, Something I can't see, you know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those like ooh, kind of hot takey. But if you've watched the games, you'd see he's been pretty dominant. Look at the yeah. numbers; he's been pretty pretty solid. So he reminds me a lot of Leclerc in the second half last year. I mean, just ooh. dominant stuff. And I mean, Leclerc was a top ten closer by the end of the season last year. Um, there's no reason to say Alvarado can't do that this year. I mean, this guy's got unbelievable movement um i mean you just you rarely see that type of movement from a flame throwing left-handed closer i mean it's it's going to be tough for guys to pick up on this guy 
I added best closer in the AL for a reason. Another guy that stands out, you know, Josh Hader. Uh, If you drafted Josh Hader as one of the top five relievers, you're, you know, kind of counting on maybe a handful of saves. But, you know, with the injuries to uh, Corey Gnabel and uh, Jeremy Jeffries, you know, he's gotten every opportunity so far. As of tonight, he's got four saves. And he's just been lights out. If he's going to continue to get the run with with the job here and and get the save opportunities, he's the number one closer. I don't understand. Like, if Jeffress comes back, I don't get how you can take this job away from Hader at this point. I mean, he can go two innings for a save. He can clearly shut the door at the end of the game. Like, Jeffress, he had a good season, but he's he's had some shaky seasons the past few years. Like, I would not trust Jeffress over Hader at this point. I don't think it's a matter of trust. I think it's a matter of just what they do better. I think Jeffress won't get every save opportunity. People, people are just so quick to think, well, haters going to be taken out. Not necessarily. I just think he'll have less opportunities because they are utilizing him pretty much strictly as a closer right now. But I think what he'll do is go back to pitching more two-inning two outings as a, as a setup man sprinkled in once a week maybe with a two-inning save type of deal. I don't think he's going to be strictly – because he's losing value to the team, not for fantasy, because right now his fantasy value will never be higher. If he, Especially if he keeps this role, he'll be, he would be, like you said, he would, he would be the best closer in, at the end of the season for sure, no doubt. But I do think that he – for their team, because they lack some depth in that bullpen, he's so valuable in a two-inning role regardless of where it's at in the game that he's going to go back to that when Jeffress returns. And Jeffress will get probably – two-thirds of the opportunities the rest of the season, or as long as he can uh, stay healthy. Just because of, again, his value to the team in real life, not fantasy, but real life in that two-inning role. So you think his value is bridging the gap to get to Jeffers, who could potentially blow the save and blow the game? Unless they sign Kimbrell, which they won't, because they don't want to spend the money, because they need somebody who, again, they have, I do think Hayter is a better closer, but I do think his value is in the two inning role. So I think he's still going to get two inning saves, but you can only pitch a guy so many, like if they have three games in a row where they're in save opportunities, he's only going to get one of those, maybe two. It's tough to be putting somebody out there two innings a night, two or three times a week. That I understand. I just think his value, I think his, his peak value is as the closer for this team. I think it helps the fantasy community, but I also think it helps the brewers. If you can have him closing out the eighth and ninth, but We'll see what Council decides to do. He, uh, he's not the most conventional in terms of choosing what to do with his pitchers, as we've seen so far, but it should be interesting. I, th- I think at the end of the day, he's going to go two innings when Jeffers gets back, and it's always going to be when he has the middle of the lineup. So if, if it's projected that Jeffers – or sorry, if it's projected that the middle of the lineup's going to hit eighth, ninth, like if he's going to have to go one through three, three through uh, four through six – in the eighth and ninth inning, then he'll get those two, those two deals, those two inning saves. But at the same time, if the top lineup and the middle lineup are due in the seventh and eighth, that's where he's going to go. He's going to essentially always get the tougher part of the lineups. We'll see. That's what I think. So we'll see how that works out for him. It could work out for him as, you know, getting a save that night or just being a setup man that night. It just depends. He's always going to get the best part of every lineup to close uh, at the end of games when he's available. We could talk about Hater all night. But, Zach, I know you have a few more standouts from week one. So, just a few other uh, week one standouts. Kind of some more uh, mid to late round guys to go along with Yelich and Goldie. I'm going <laughs> to touch upon a few of my Mets. 
that I was hyping oh, up. Oh, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Um, my boy Pete Alonzo, I'd say he's uh, living up to the hype right now. Um, he hit an absolute bomb to dead center yesterday for his first big league home run. So um, high. So, so high. <laughs> I know Mike um, made some deals this past week involving Alonzo. We could touch upon that. But this guy, I'm telling you, he seems to be the real deal. He's going to be starting pretty much every game per week. They sat him tonight to give Dom Smith um, a start. And, I mean, Alonzo, he's he's still getting at bats as a pinch hitter, even if he's not starting. But this guy, he's getting on base. He's drawing walks. He's batting over 400 right now. Um, I'm telling you, this is – your potential NL rookie of the year right here. Love him. This and is your this is your potential so high moment. <laughs> I can't get enough of this guy. But um Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, he's also we he was another guy that we previously discussed, another good Daniel Murphy replacement, um second base eligible. This guy is getting time at third base. He's getting time in left field. He's gonna be second base, third base, outfield eligible in the next few weeks another guy that you can add to your list of replacements. I'm also, I can't stop watching the San Diego Padres. I'm so intrigued. Um, I called Tatis being a very intriguing pick in our listeners league. And that was before he got the call. And obviously he's made the team and he's making an impact. He had his first home run last night. He made an amazing defensive play tonight. Um, it's just, a, it's a fun, it's a fun team to watch between Tatis Machado, although Machado's starting slow. Um, Will Myers, he's had a nice little start. He's getting a few stolen bases. That's a nice-looking roto pick right now. And Paddock, another guy that we've been hyping up. So the Padres are an interesting team. They haven't really picked it up completely offensively yet, but I feel like they'll start to click a little bit in the, in the coming weeks. Another guy, just the last guy that I want to touch upon, Clevenger. Had a great game yesterday. Seven oh, yeah. innings, one hit, 13 strikeouts. I mean, if you pick this guy as a starting pitcher too, I don't think you're going to regret it. I could see this guy being a potential Cy Young candidate this year. I mean, he's going to take huge strides. He's probably the best number four pitcher in baseball right now. If you picked him up in the mid-rounds of your draft, I think that's going to be a, a good-looking pick. I think he would be no, a number two or some, even an ace on some of the I – mean, he would definitely be an ace on like so – Oh, yeah. But he would be the ace on some teams. I mean, we're talking teams in his own division, the White Sox, the Royals. These are, guys, these are teams that he would be their number one. Realistically, even on a contending team, like a other, on other contending teams, he would be possibly a number two on those teams. So it just goes to, it just, it's just a reminder how deep this uh, starting pitching staff is for, for the Indians. And just that, I mean, obviously I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but He's just he's he's just so solid, man. I guess what I'm trying to get is he's very solid. I see a lot more of this happening for him. So we didn't discuss him in our My Guys episode, but I know that me and Mike have been very high on Clevenger this preseason. Those are some good calls. Those are good calls. Uh, love Clevenger, and I'm really buying in on Alonzo. I have a few shares of Alonzo. He you know he has so much power he was a doubles machine the first couple of days, you know, and then he finally got that one over yesterday. But uh, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, buying into Alonzo. Uh, you know, Thank you. And value. I think, I think he's going to be good. I'm just saying that his value won't get much higher. And I'm all like, my thing about trading, trading him isn't because I don't believe in the talent. It's because you could possibly, and I've made a trade including him and uh, involving him. And 
you're talking about possibly pairing him with somebody to go out and get a Correa type. I say that because I've done it. And at the end of the season, if Alonzo keeps this up, I think at the very least it would be equal to Correa. So I guess I'm getting rid of the risk to get somebody with probably, uh, even though he's only done it for one real, one real full year, I feel more comfortable and confident in that type of guy, in that type of player versus uh, an Alonzo who's unproven and, you know, still a rookie. And then, of course, I think a good comp, a buddy of mine, Zach, another Zach, but he's, you know, he was – Z-A-C-K. Yeah, Z-A-C-K. It's actually how you spell his name. He comped him to Hoskins. I think that's a great comp. Uh, That's a good comp. I think the power is uh, legitimate. and better average from Alonzo you can expect. Um, I don't know if – I mean – I was expecting, honestly, I expected a 250, 260 at best from Alonzo. That's the thing. People think that he's a 250, 260, a home run or bust type of guy, but that's not the type of player he is. I mean, he hit, uh, I believe he hit around like 290 last year in the minor leagues. I mean, this guy, he hits doubles, he gets on base. I mean, he he can hit for average as well. And what yeah. was Hoskins last year? Did Hoskins hit for like, I believe it was like 240, 250? 250, 260, I think. Maybe it was 248 or something weird. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. But I think you come to the pros. I think I do I, – I mean, when you have a power hitter in the minors, the power plays in the pros usually. They actually a lot of times improve the power numbers and lose a little batting average. So I think the comp was a really good comp. Because When I think of Hoskins, I think of a 250, 260 hitter with 30 bombs or more. And that's just – I see Alonzo doing that now. That's Alonzo's upside. I mean, or at least I think that's his upside. Hoskins in 2017 batted 259, 2018 he was 246. So he's roughly a 250 hitter. I think asking Alonzo to do more than that isn't realistic. It's a good comp. I wouldn't be surprised if Alonzo hit a little bit higher in the average department than Hoskins, but like maybe it, it is a good comp. But you're maybe. also you're saying that sorry to cut you off. You're saying that uh Alonzo's value couldn't be higher at this point. I mean, what are you going to do when Alonzo Hits five home runs in a week. I mean, what are you, you going to do? Power has not been there yet. Okay, and what are you going to do when he goes on that that big slide, that zero for fifteen or the two for thirteen or whatever it is with like seven Ks? Yeah, like, but you know what, Correa is going to do that also. Correa might do that too, but I just feel I feel again it's a safer thing. And obviously, there's more to the trade. There's more need base. There's there's more of a need base to it. There's more. There's more. It's just you can't really judge a trade based on the just the trade itself because obviously there's always context to it depends on your roster construction and your league settings as well i get it but either way i have no problem i think that's selling high and if i mean again there's regression coming his way in the batting average department he's not gonna he's not gonna hit 400 this year and if he does that'd be amazing and i would i would love it but also it doesn't concern you that how i don't think it should necessarily concern you i think concern is a bad word but i don't know i think there is some type of worry that what about Frazier and Lowry when they come back? I really don't think that's going to eat into Alonzo's playing time. It if shouldn't. Anything. It shouldn't. I agree. I just – what if the Mets pull Rockies? And that, you know what? Now they – and that, the second that he gets that, you know, that one for 15 slide or the two for 13, whatever you want to call it, a bad slide, what if they use that as their excuse to put him back in the minors for the two weeks that they need for that service oh, time? God. You're – 
you're you're talking unreasonable right now. There's Am that's I, not, though? that's not gonna happen. What's what most likely will happen in this scenario is um Frazier's probably gonna be a bench guy. I could see Lowry getting a lot of playing time at third base. JD Davis has been getting the time at third base. He's making a lot of defensive miscues. He's really not hitting yet. He's probably gonna go to a bench bench role. Um, I can see Lowry getting time at third base. I can see Frazier getting some time there. McNeil is probably going to get some time there as well. And I could see a guy like possibly even Nimmo um, losing some playing time. He's not hitting right now either, but I do not see Alonzo losing playing time at all to Todd Frazier. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Todd Frazier's not going to hit above 200. There's no wow. chance. So we can talk about the Mets all night if it was up to you, I'm sure. But – we're going to go ahead and move on now to the next thing I noticed. I noticed there are some really bad offenses to start the year. And these are teams that if you're looking to stream pitchers in a daily league, because I know I'm in a few, like tonight I started Stroman, for instance, because he was facing the Orioles. And he, he had, you know, a decent outing, nothing too special. Gave up a lot of hits, but Stroman was drafted late. He was on, he was on, he's still on the waiver wire in some leagues, but if you're looking for, like, if you're in a deeper league and you stream pitchers and it's a daily league, I would definitely start aiming for offenses like Toronto, the Tigers, Giants, Marlins, Royals, White Sox, Cleveland, and, like I said, the Orioles before. These are just some of the weaker offenses. It's actually making it somewhat easier to stream, which stream pitchers can be a very difficult task and a difficult thing to do most years. But this year, it feels I feel pretty comfortable. I started Matt Moore in a league last week because he was facing the, the the Jays, and the Jays have been absolutely terrible. And it worked out. Like just to give you an idea, like I'm not that's not bragging. That was just by sheer need at starting pitcher in, in a certain league. <laughs> it worked out for me. You got to really, I mean, take advantage of it. If these teams, if there's like these are there's a lot of teams to to stream against, and that's not a very common thing. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's more teams than ever right now trying to lose. And so, you know, teams, you know, tanking. And if you have a matchup against, you know, one of these teams that are not very contact oriented or who don't go very deep into the lineup, you see, you know, a team like Cleveland right now, they, you know, outside of Jose Ramirez, who, who else is there really? Um, a lot of those teams in the AL Central, the Tigers, the Indians, uh, the White Sox, the Royals, uh, the Roy- <laughs> the Royals, but even the, the the Royals have actually you know been been decent so far. They faced the White Sox. They faced <laughs> <laughs> they you know they're beating up on their own division now. Obviously, the pitchers in that division. If you're gonna stream pitchers in that division, like I like Brad Keller as like a you know deeper league guy. He's somebody you can stream and play with, but I wouldn't recommend many pitchers in that division outside of the Cleveland guys. But, yeah, regardless, these are just some teams to easily pick on. The Marlins offense, it's it's unfortunate because they have some really exciting pitchers, but that offense you can easily stream against. And it will surprise you. I mean, they, they beat up on Tyler Anderson, but that's Tyler Anderson, so that's his fault. More than it's the Marlins being good, it's him being bad. But it's not like that. It's just like, obviously, if you just are in a bind, you want somebody to stream. Those are teams I know is real weak, real slow starts. Take advantage of it. Yeah, take a look for anyone playing, you know, pitching against the Giants as well. <laughs> and and as far as with more lineups go, the, the Mariners' hot start is very interesting to me. I don't think they'll sustain it, but it's exciting nonetheless, and I'm really enjoying watching them right now. 
like I said, and with the Mariners being excited, it kind of falls right into our next topic. We're going to go ahead and jump into it, I guess. Uh, ad, ad drops. And speaking of ads, I just looked today, and I think I'm going to look at right now, actually. I'm going to look at it. Domingo Santana still is not 100% owned or 99% owned, whoever it is on Yahoo, and it's really upsetting me. There is no reason why this guy shouldn't be owned. If he is on your waiver wire, I promise you, you can at us on Twitter. You can do whatever. I can help you. I will give you somebody to drop for him. He is 77% owned. He hasn't really slowed down. He hasn't hit a home run in four games. I'm sorry. But, but he has stolen a base, and he's still hitting. He's still getting his hits in for the most part. He's still hitting top three in that batting order. Get him on your team. <laughs> Get Make sure he's added and make sure he's owned. It's It would be very hard for me to envision a team good enough not to have him as a bench piece. And Tim Beckham, another guy who's a hot waiver wire head, with all these injuries happening, you know, the the Andujars, the the Murphys, among, uh, the Jeanettes, these are all middle infield options that he could help bridge this gap now because this is becoming – It's these injuries are piling up quick, fast, and in a hurry. Man, you could do worse than, than a hot Tim Beckham who has shown that he can do this in the past. So I'm not saying it's a full-on legitimate breakout or full-on legitimate anything with Beckham. But ride him while he's hot. Take advantage of it. I agree. Yeah. If you're someone who just lost a Miguel Andujar, Tim Beckham, pick him up if he's available and, and ride the hot the hot hand. You know, he, he was someone who has the pedigree. He was picked number one overall. He has the skills. He he showed a tremendous, you know, 2017. Um, you know, speaking of bounce backs from 2017, this is a Seattle team full of them. You look at someone like Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is someone else as well, only owned in 17% of leagues on Yahoo. Prior to last year where he was suffering, you know, all year from plantar fasciitis, he was a plus 30 homer guy, uh, around 100 RBI, uh, you know, a 250 average. So if Jay Bruce is available as well, he's hitting the ball really well. Is he though? (laughs) Is he though? I don't, I'm just. Well, he's homered in what, three straight games? Well, see, I don't know. I'm, I'm. Jay, I guess you could do worse. Jay Bruce isn't a guy that I, he's kind of just a guy I've gotten gotten burned by one too many times, but he's definitely you could do worse for your corner infield, and he does have a pretty good you know he he's come he has a three game series a four game series coming up against the White Sox, and he is hitting the middle of that potent lineup right now. He's a very streaky player, but like Mike said, I mean he's got the White Sox up next. He's got the Royals after that. He's got a few pretty solid matchups. So, I mean, it's, it's something you might want to take advantage of, but as a long-term solution, I don't know, but ride the hot hand while you can with, with Jay Bruce. Well, I guess they fall, that, that falls into everything. I mean, the Mariners as a whole, I mean, they're playing the angels now, white Sox, Royals, yeah, man, good schedule. take advantage of it. Get their hitters. If Marco, if Marco Gonzalez is out there, grab him. I'm a, I own him in a ton of places. I love Marco Gonzalez. He's better in points leagues and quality start leagues because his K's he lacks the K's that you really want from a guy as far as like a, in a roto league, but I still have him there because he's just solid. Like right now he's he's in a mobile start right now where I think he has six innings pitch, three K's. Like he's just having a it's solid. There's nothing special because the K's are so low. But sub two ERA, a sub one WHIP. You can't really complain with the results, and he's about to again. He's gonna line up against the Royals. It looks like I'll take my chances. Again, it goes back to knowing their schedule, knowing and just knowing which offenses to pick on. And I don't see – see, Chicago can get hot to me. They're exciting. They're young. But they're lacking depth in that lineup. The Royals just know. Just I have no problem 
completely just attacking them, stacking line, stacking pitchers against them, whatever. So, um, what are other? Who are some guys that you guys are adding? I mean, Clint Frazier is a hot name. He just you know got called up today. You know what? There are two guys. I know you guys both have something to say on them, so I'll I'll, I'll interject and put them in. Uh, Corbin Burns and and Paddock. If those guys are available, add them as well. Absolutely. You know, Corbin Burns came out and, and he pitched just fantastic five five innings, twelve strikeouts, and and one walk. He did give up some home runs. You know, Corbin Burns, you know, threw 87 pitches, 22 swinging strikes on those 87 pitches and, and getting 12 strikeouts. You know, one thing that uh, with Burns that we saw was his spin rate on his fastball significantly increased. And, you know, spin rate correlates with a higher strikeout rate. Uh, the more spin on the ball, the more deception and movement it's going to have. Now, you know, he is a two pitch pitcher he he's only throwing a fastball and a slider so it is questionable as far as how deep he's going to be able to get into games we did see him get into some trouble there in the fifth inning you know I don't expect too many quality starts from him um, you know because the more strikeouts you get you know take more pitches and you know third time through the rotation is going to be a little tough you know with only two two pitches there with his fastball and his slider but you know for wins and strikeouts I'm, I'm definitely picking him up he's if he's out there in your leagues right now, I believe he's he's only owned in about 20, 21% of Yahoo leagues. Burns, definitely another guy. He's owned in, what, 15% of leagues or so you said? He's 20%. Owned 20% of leagues. He's a guy that the, the the bottom line looks worse than what actually happened because he did look like, looks like he ran out of gas towards the end of his start, but he's going to, you know, gain that stamina and be solid. But going back to Paddock, he had a, just a great outing. He's looked good all spring. He's owned in roughly 70% of leagues, I think it was. 78. 78% of leagues. He should be close to universally owned as well. This goes into some of our drops. Let's throw some names out there. Who would you guys drop for some of these guys? So if you drafted, you know, late, late in your draft, someone like a, like a Freddie Peralta, you know, when you see that these guys all got their, you know, rotation spots, you know, if you want to, you know, drop a Freddie Peralta and, and pick up Corbin Burns or, you know, if you have, you know, interest in any of the Miami guys who all, you know, pitched really well, Trevor Richards, Sandia Alcantara. Alcantara might have had the most impressive inning. Uh, I'm sorry. He must have had the most impressive outing going eight innings, six strikeouts and didn't walk anyone. That was a big thing with Alcantara was, you know, his control. If he was going to be able to keep that in check and he didn't walk anybody, um, didn't allow any runs. So, you know, if, if you want to use your last spot on your bench to kind of cycle through these pitchers and maybe one will stick like a Burns or uh, Caleb Smith as well. He's another guy who only owned a 9% of Yahoo leagues, five innings, eight strikeouts and one walk. Um, all these guys are interesting that, you know, you can, you can pick up and, and see, you know, see how they progress. Yeah, I mean, every Marlins pitcher except for Urania uh, excites me, honestly. I'm all for – but these are guys, again, you got just – these are still deeper guys because a lot of these leagues, you might see them, and they're going to be exciting to follow, but you have to remember they're on a bad team. The Marlins aren't really going to win many games, so I wouldn't – if you're chasing wins, not the best guys to grab, but still exciting names, solid for two start weeks maybe, and final spot on your roster for sure. We talk about dropping maybe maybe dropping a Freddie Peralta. 
I mean, if you're talking about adding a guy, if first of all, if Chris Paddock is available in your league, you need to do whatever you can to add him to your team. This guy is going to be the ace of the Padres if he's not already the ace of the Padres. Um, but I mean, I would seriously consider dropping guys like I, the. I know the Red Sox are a great team. You're the, they're the defending champs, but I'd almost rather have Paddock than Ivaldi or Eduardo Rodriguez at this point. I have Evaldi in a few of my leagues, and I'm already considering. I know it's only one start, but I'm considering cutting bait with him because there's better options out there. If Paddock is one of those options, I have no hesitations of dropping Evaldi for a guy like Paddock. Yeah, I can understand Paddock, but okay, Corbin Burns, I can even understand that. But when you start talking about these other, the Marlins guys, and that's where it gets tougher for me with with Evaldi. Yeah. I agree. And like I said earlier, I mean, be patient with your studs. I wouldn't call Ivaldi a stud at this no. point. He's also coming off of a very heavy workload in the postseason last year. So, I mean, it could take him a little while to get warmed up. But, yeah, if the Marlins pitchers I mean you're not going to be getting too many wins out of these guys. So maybe hold off on dropping a guy like Ivaldi or Rodriguez for that. But guys like Paddock and Corbin Burns who have tremendous upside, I, I have no hesitation of dropping guys like that. Now I gotta ask you. You're the Dakota Hudson guy here. Dakota oh. Hudson, Dakota Hudson, Paddock and Burns. Rank them. Rank them. Oh, I would probably at this point. Oh God, this is a tough. I, Paddock would definitely be number one for me. Uh-huh. I don't have. I don't have any Paddock shares, and I'm very disappointed with that. Um, Paddock would definitely be one. I still think I would go Hudson over Burns at this point, just because. Actually, no, I don't know. I really liked what I saw out of Corbin Burns the other night. I just hope that he can hold up. I hope they can build him up a little bit. I mean, he's coming from a relief role last year. I'm hoping that he can build up that stamina. Hudson looked... Uh, Hudson had a very tough first matchup against the Brewers. I hyped him up. I'm, I'm, I'm still a believer. The Brewers are a very tough team, so I kind of want to see him get another start or two under his belt, but it's a toss-up between Hudson and and Burns, but Paddock is definitely number one on that list. Breaking news, figuratively and literally. It looks like he broke his finger. By he, I mean Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Oh, boy. Looks like a broken finger. I'm trying to find more news on it real quick. Oh, wow. That is quite unfortunate. Nationals manager Davey Martinez announced late Tuesday that Trey Turner has broken right index finger. Turner suffered the injury while attempting to bunt in the bottom of the first inning of Tuesday night's loss to the Phillies. Recovery time can be... Sorry, recovery time can vary greatly for this type of thing, but the 25-year-old shortstop is headed to the 10-day injured list and will probably miss several weeks of action. That is terrible. Yeah. Trey Turner, he, he played 162 games last year, but this reminds me of 2016 and 2017 when he was hampered by injuries. So, I mean... This was, this was a, this a freak was a, injury. Yeah, it's a stupid injury. It's... He's that type of player. He's diving all over the place, sliding, head first, trying to lay down bunts. I mean, he puts himself at risk, but it's, it's very unfortunate. But yeah, he got he got he got hit on the hand oh. putting a bunt. So that's just if anything, it's actually on him because you know a proper bunt, you shouldn't be putting your fingers in the way like that. I guess you know that's why I remember being taught when I was a kid. So clearly, needs some more bunting practice. No, no, apparently he needs to stop bunting. But yeah, that's that's breaking news that just happened. Obviously, by the time you hear this, you're going to have probably a little more information on the timeline. But I would definitely make plans. I mean, we talked about some ads for him in previous episodes, um, especially now. I mean, it's going to be hard to replace his speed. You can't replace Trey Turner. You can't replace his speed, power-speed combination. 
but maybe a, maybe a Beckham could help bridge the gap or a Kike Hernandez if he's still out there. Just guys like that. A Ketel Marte. <sighs> Again, you can't replace – you just can't replace. Yeah, it's a, a tough loss. In deep leagues, if if this is long-term, which a broken finger sounds like it could be, I mean, be on the lookout for, for the prospect, Kiboom. Um, he could get some action. He could. I just don't know how desperate the Nats are. I mean, it's it's early in the season. I don't think they're trying to make a push right now, so I don't know if they would do that yet. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a mess regardless. It's – hey. It's uh, good for everybody else in the NL East. Going back to uh, add drops, buy low, whatever you want to call it. I have no problem saying, you know what, why don't you just try to go ahead and buy low, buy low on uh, Trey Turner. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of a couple names I might offer for him. Maybe a Corey Seager? It sounds like a fair offer. I mean, it depends on how significant the injury is. But assuming it's, you know, four to six or four to eight weeks even, so two months, I would. I think I'd, I'd be okay giving up Trey Turner. Oh, sorry, Corey Seager for a Trey Turner. That's a little. That's a little high end, but Corey Seager doesn't. He's a, he's a four category producer, better in points leagues, no steals, and he isn't known to stay healthy himself. I don't see what's wrong with offering a Corey Seager for a Trey Turner. If you can do better, if you can get for cheaper, obviously do it. But something like that, I might. That's just the first name came to mind. But yeah, that's again terrible news. Hate to talk about it like it's like it's like it's no big deal, but. That's what we, that's what we have to do. We have to be those guys that, that we have to be the analysts, pro analysts, hat on, and give you the give you the potential you know people to add into that position and take it, guys tell you guys to take advantage of it because it's one of the few it's one of the few opportunities you'll have to buy low on a legitimate uh, fantasy stud. So yeah, regardless, it, his production is going to be you know difficult to replace. Exactly. That's why you might have to get you might have to, everybody might have to put their fake gm hats back on already and make a trade or something you never know I, I mean it's too early to panic but if you were depending on him for for steals this significantly hampers your steel uh, upside in production for your roto leagues for sure so this is why you should have taken trevor story over trey turner like i suggested how many because you know story has so many steals already this year <laughs> but yeah after one week <laughs> one week listen it's a it's a big week. There's only six months left in the season. I, I don't know how you're gonna get through it. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, gosh, I'm really I'm really deflated right now. I have no shares of them. But this like, I'm not and I'm not bragging like that's this wasn't part of the plan to have no shares. It just it just happened to be that way. But man, I just I don't know. It's just it's I feel like every I feel like every episode we've had a breaking news on an injury recently and. I just don't know anymore, man. It's it's disheartening. Yeah. I, I hate seeing these injuries. Um, It'll be okay. I hope so. So circling back to Dakota Hudson now, I, I may I gave you that tough choice. I'm fully aware of that. Now, would you still keep Dakota Hudson over the Marlins guys, or does that still get tougher for you? So as of right now, I would keep Hudson for at least one more start. He's got the Padres coming up on Saturday. It's a pretty favorable matchup I would say I mean San Diego's offense really hasn't kind of clicked yet I think that's a much better matchup than the Brewers matchup I mean he 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 didn't pitch awful against a great team like the Brewers I mean he had six strikeouts and four and a third innings um gave up three earned runs I mean it's not horrible it's not great but I I would definitely I, I would I would not cut bait with him just yet 
I'm not saying you should. I was just trying to kind of put it in perspective for the listeners, like what, like where you still have him. Cause I know again, you were the Dakota Hudson guy and he could be, he could be one of those fringe guys at the back of your rotations. I have a few shares. I haven't dropped them yet. So I'm kind of with you. Yeah. I haven't dropped him in any league yet, but I'm definitely watching him. I think he has some more favorable, favorable matchups on the way. So just, Try and be a little patient with him if you can. But, I mean, like like we said earlier, if, if there's guys under waiver wire like Chris Paddock, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to uh, to make that move. Yeah, Paddock's one, of the, uh, Paddock's one of those obvious names. Burns, one of those obvious names. Well, Burns, I think it's obvious. Burns isn't as obvious to me. I mean, Burns, that, that was his first start. I mean, yeah, he had the punch outs, but he ended up giving up a few runs in that outing i'd like he to looked, see a little bit more of burns but he looked more impressive to me personally again this is my preference not yours your preference we know where you stand you stand on the wrong side of the line but <laughs> i always do according to you <laughs> well yeah because that's 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 what makes this relationship so great i'm right you're wrong everyone needs one of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know important thing about looking at these things so earlier in the season is you know it's important not to overreact what we do want to see is we want to see trends you know we want to see that guys are not walking so many batters or something like, you know, the spin rate on Burns fastball uh, that can produce more strikeouts this year. You know, as far as the results go, we don't, we don't want to overreact. Now, another guy that I I would throw in there, you know, when we're talking ads and drops, uh, Colin McHugh. Colin McHugh is available in 59% of Yahoo leagues. If you're in a, you know, 10 or 12 team league, he's someone that you can, you know, pick up as well. Matt Strom is an interesting name. He had a bad outing, really bad outing against Arizona. If you drop him, I don't know how many people are going to be eager to to pick him up. So if you want to drop a, a Matt Strom and pick up, you know, Colin McHugh, take a chance on Corbin Burns or Caleb Smith, you know, that that's something you can do right now as well. Another guy I really like kind of in that grouping of pitchers, I'm really high on Trevor Williams um, of the Pirates. This guy had an amazing second half last year, pitched, was one of the best pitchers down the stretch in all of baseball in the second half. And he had a nice first start, pitched six innings. He, he gets quality starts. If you're in a league that counts quality starts, this is a guy I would definitely add to your team. He's good for points leagues. I mean, this guy eats up to innings. I mean, he's going to most likely go at least six innings every outing. So he pitched six shutout innings against the Reds, who have a very improved offense. It's not like you're uh, facing the Marlins here. Sorry, Mike, I know you're a Marlins fan. <laughs> but Trevor Williams is somebody that I would definitely target. He's about 39% owned in Yahoo Leagues right now. And like I said, if, if quality starts is something that your league counts, I mean, this guy is going to get you those quality starts. And the Pirates are not a horrible team. I mean, he can, he'll get you some wins as well. So that's somebody I would definitely try to target if he's available, which it seems like he is available in quite a bit of leagues right now. So I think one thing we can all take away talking about all these interesting pitchers is just how deep pitching is this year. All these interesting names that we're, we're looking at, all these deep guys. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I, I grabbed, you know, my ace, you know, third or fourth round this, this year. And because there was so many guys that I liked late and, you know, we're talking about all these guys now, you know, so just, that, that's just one thing that, that I think, you know, I take away from this conversation right now is you just how many interesting pitchers there are. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, especially if you, if you go early on the stud offensive guys, if you can stack up on some of these guys that we're talking about, whether it be Burns, Paddock, Trevor Williams, Alcantara, 
um, any of those Marlins pitchers. I mean, if you can grab a bunch of those guys late, I mean, you're positioning yourself pretty well. Um, no, see, this is when I'm, I'm on the, I look at it like I'm on the other end of things. There's so much volatility to the position. And yeah, we saw some studs struggle to start the season. So this is not going to help my argument, but I think those struggles are far and few in between. Whereas these guys, they give you two solid starts, blow up for three straight. You sit them and they, they, then they come back on, come back on again. Now out of this group, we might have one or two that are consistent and solid throughout the rest of the season, but I just I don't like depending on them. I like having them kind of to stream and to be able to plug in while they're hot, not have to be like, well, you know what? I feel comfortable. I don't I don't have to use them as anchors to my lineup, and I don't think anybody will have to. But if you are doing what you're saying you're doing, like you know, depending on those mid tier pitchers and later, some of these guys are going to become staples of your pitching staff, and to that to me that that worries me. Maybe I, I mean, again, that's too early to tell if I should be worried about it or not, but. I just I don't like to depend on late round guys. I like to depend on the the known quality studs. I'm just I'm bigger on having at least one of them, maybe two if I can. But that goes back to drafting. We're past drafting. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of most added and most dropped, I was just looking at the list and a, a good second base replacement that he's still available in a good amount of leagues. He's only forty six percent owned in Yahoo leagues. This is Colton Wong. He's off to a absolute crazy start this year he's the third ranked player in yahoo league at least in five by five leagues he has three home runs two stolen bases he, uh he's just he's getting the opportunity to play every day he flashed this type of upside years ago i don't know how legit it is i don't know how well he'll hold up or keep this up but it goes back to riding the hot hand if you need some cheap speed because you just lost trey turner colton long kind of fits that bill he might be the closest power speed combo you can get as a, from a second baseman on the waiver wire right now. And that could be pretty valuable to a guy. Again, to teams losing Trey Turner, depending on his speed, this could be a cheap alternate I would definitely recommend grabbing. And I'd rather have him over, just to give an idea of some of the names, I think I would take a chance on him over Beckham for the steal upside, not necessarily the power upside, because I think he'll steal more bases than him, might hit for a higher average. I just think Wong offers a little better – as far as what you might be trying to replace with us with a Trey Turner. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Or if you lost a Daniel Murphy, if you had Daniel Murphy at second base, you know, there's, there's another name if that. Um... Sorry, Jeanette too. It's just funny. Just all these second basemen, one of the worst positions in the league. We gain a couple, we gained some names that we really like, but now like Kike, exactly. Kike Hernandez and Colton Wong were like luxuries. Now they're almost essential ads because of the position just getting so much worse in a matter of like three days. It's crazy. Uh, another most added list that uh, you said, you mentioned Jay Bruce, Ryan Healy in the same lineup, playing the same positions, essentially. He has first base and third base eligibility in Yahoo leagues. Clint Frazier is up there, which we, t- we touched on him. But the most dropped list, I'm looking at that one. Andujar, obviously, but this is where it gets interesting. Two, three names that really stand out to me are Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Winker, and Renfro. Now, personally, I've dropped Renfro in a couple leagues. Daily leagues, some people have, you can justify holding on to him, I guess, because when he does start, you can. It's all it's he's good for that power production. I just I had a hard time holding on to him. I've draw I like to. I'm very aggressive on the waiver wire, so I make ad drops. So I'm willing to miss out on Renfro if he. I mean, if he starts, if he's getting the majority starts over Fran Mil Reyes going forward, then obviously I would make that. I would make that ad again and hope I didn't you know miss out on too many of the times I dropped him. But I have no problem dropping Renfro right now. Guriel, I wasn't huge on him coming into the season. 
I he's over fifteen. Last I looked. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, I mean it's again small sample size. I understand there is some upside. Like I guess there is a little intrigue there for upside, you know. But I'm just not a huge Guriel guy, so dropping him is is for me isn't hasn't been difficult. But Winker is still hard for me to let go. I just don't under, I don't know what the Reds are doing there. They're platooning him right now, and it's it's not going to get any better. I mean, you have Senzel being worked in as an outfielder. You have Taylor. Don't you have what, Taylor Trammell also in the minor leagues? You have um, Philip Irving. You have all these guys that. What are the Reds going to do? And if they're already doing this with Winker now, I don't foresee it getting any better for him in the near future or in or down the road even. I, yeah, I, he was a guy. Sorry. Um, yeah, he, he was a guy that was getting a lot of helium this you know off season, and you know if you have him now, you got to be a little worried. Uh, you know, granted, you know we're only you know a handful of games in, but you know he's he sat uh, against righties. Uh, he doesn't have a hit yet. So if you drafted him, you know, and granted in a shallow league, you might have drafted him as your fourth or fifth outfielder, but he's another guy that I, I would throw out there that, you know, if you want to drop him and take a chance on, on a, another pitcher or, you know, a, another guy that I'm picking up right now myself is, and I, I've touched on him the last couple podcasts, is Yandy Diaz uh, of Tampa Bay. Pick up Yandy Diaz. He's still only owned in about 12% of Yahoo leagues right now, 5% ESPN leagues. He, he's someone that has started every single game. He's let off and hit no lower than fifth in the lineup. He's continued to, to crush the ball. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, when you're looking at players this early, you want to see, just look at trends. And he's still hitting the ball uh, extremely hard. He, he's only struck out one time. The thing with Diaz was that he was hitting so many ground balls. And it's looking like he's starting to make that adjustment there in Tampa, Tampa Bay uh, with a 31% fly ball rate. Yadi Diaz is another guy. He's first and third base eligible in Yahoo. If you lost Andahar, I wouldn't hesitate to snatch snatch up Yandi Diaz right now. I agree with you, George. Um, I, I've actually, ever since you hyped him up in the last episode or two, I actually scooped up Yandi in our listeners league and a few other leagues. And the guy, I mean, he, he keeps hitting, he keeps getting on base. He takes a lot of walks. He's a, he's a nice little piece to have on your team. Uh, multi-eligibility is definitely a plus. Just a note on Yandi. I don't know if you saw this, but he tweaked his left ankle tonight against the Rockies. He and did. Yeah. So they're saying that he was supposed to get a day off on Wednesday anyway, and the hope is that he can return on Friday, but just something to monitor. I think we've covered a good amount of ad drops, some replacements for injuries. We're a little scatterbrained on it tonight because, you know, the Trey Turner news really threw us off, so excuse us for that one. But – I think ultimately we covered a good amount of guys for you to be looking out for. And But, oh, one last thing about drops or ad drops. Take a look every day in your leagues at who's being dropped from other teams because I've already had the chance to pick – like a DeJong. I had a Paul DeJong actually be dropped in one of my more competitive, deeper leagues, and it made no sense to me because I needed a middle infield spot anyway. So I spent uh, – I put $11 out of $100 fat, uh, fat budget on them, so 11%. I got him. I won him. Next highest bid was $8. So I, I was very happy. I was surprised. I thought he might go for more. But my point is, is that you just got to look out for what people drop because people drop players that might be starters for you or might be starters for everybody else in the league. And that's why you just got to pay attention. You just never know who's going to be 
for lack of a better word, dumb <laughs> that, that night or that morning in waivers and drop somebody that has a good amount of value. That's my last little helpful hint, last thing I have to say about it. So the final thing we're going to touch on tonight, and it's, already, it's aggravating me just thinking about it because just tonight alone while we've been doing this, these bullpens and two of which we're going to, we're going to talk on have just – they're just frustrating. We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about closers or potential closers or who we see are going to get the job. And now obviously add on if you guys could think of any more, but the Mariners, the Royals, the Marlins, Baltimore – and the twins. Those are the five real closer questions, I would say. Like, I don't, or bullpen questions as a whole. So, everyone always has questions about closers. Everybody always wants to know who we think is going to get the job. I'm going to straight up start. I'm going to start with Baltimore and say, I have no flipping clue, man. I think the last three or four opportunities have gone to a different person. I think it was like Bleer or however you say his name was last night, Mike Wright the night before that. Paul Fry uh, helped out Givens when they tried giving Givens a two-inning save. I thought it was going to be Givens' show all year, and he's had one shot at it, and it was in a multi-inning role. Um, I'm just – honestly, there's nobody to add here for me. Just completely avoid. Do you, you guys agree with that? Yeah, it's frustrating. I have Givens in a few leagues, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> this guy's getting a hold opportunities instead of saves. I mean, he's clearly the best relief pitcher that they have. Um, this guy is striking out – um, a lot of batters when he gets the opportunity. I mean, he's got the best stuff out of anybody, but I just don't understand why he's not getting the save opportunities at this point. I'm definitely holding on to him because at least I have him. I'm, I kind of need the save, so I'm just hoping that he falls into a few. He's got to get a few at some point here. It's, <laughs> a, it's a slow start, but you figure he will get some more opportunities. Um, other, other than that, the next – I say the next shakiest situation is probably the Royals. I have no interest in that, in that one as well. I mean, I, I need some saves bad, in a bad way. So I, I did add Kennedy in the league or two. And tonight, actually, he got the save opportunity but blew it. So Willie Peralta came in in the seventh. I don't know if Kennedy's going to get another shot. If it's Willie's turn next, I'm pretty much I'm, – I'm, I'm done chasing that, that team as well. I mean, I'm pretty much done chasing all these teams. It's either going to be who I have from them now or nothing. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to waste all my fab on it. I don't care how bad I need saves. I'm not going to waste my high waiver priority on them. I'm just going to hope maybe go trade for saves if I need them that bad. Yeah, that's a tough situation to follow. And the thing is, too, like they're going to get, you know, their share of save opportunities in that division. It, it, it's tough to tell who's, who's going to get that chance. Well, the Twins, Trevor May, I don't even think came in the game tonight. And uh, Taylor Rogers pitched two innings, got the win, and then – uh, pitch two innings, got the win, and then Parker came in for the save. So I'm guessing Parker is the closer after all. Like I did think that going, I did think that going into it, I thought maybe he was gonna be the favorite, and the because because of how they used May previously, and then I guess that this kind of confirms it. Now I only was able to grab Parker in one league. Most people held on to him even after I think uh, Rogers got that opening day save or the second game winning save. I just, I guess I would say Parker's the guy to go with there. So if he's available and you really need saves, I would give him a look because he's probably the surest thing out of these teams as far as a closer goes right now. So, yeah, I mean, this is the best situation um, out of the teams that we just brought up. I mean, the Twins have a, a legitimate chance of making some serious noise in that AL Central. Um, even if Parker, I mean, if it's Parker, if it's Trevor May, 
um, those are definitely guys to keep an eye on because they're just going to have so many save opportunities if this team can win 80 to 90 games. So it's definitely two guys to keep an eye on, and if they're available, you should scoop them up. Now, another save uh, closer situation I'm, again, not really interested in. But if I had to pick somebody, I, I, um, it's – well, first of all, it's the Marlins. And if I had to pick somebody, I said it in the preseason, a deeper name to look out for was uh, none other than old man Romo. Sergio Romo got a save the other night. I don't know if that's going to be normal. I don't know if that's if, – if, if second rider wasn't available – I, I I don't know. There's no reason for them not to give Romo the save opportunities. He's one of those guys that could build his value before being traded again. I could definitely Just, see him being traded. Um, but if he does happen to get traded, another name to look out on that team, I think the best reliever on that team is Adam Conley. The guy has increased velocity tremendously in the past past two years he was a starter he was averaging about 89 miles per hour and he's up to about 95 right now he's got a, a nice left-handed three-quarter arm slot um he, he's got some deception as well so i think romo is the guy for now but if romo happens to be dealt which is definitely a possibility for a contending team um conley could be somebody to look out for later on in the season now the final bullpen situation that i think begs some attention as far as for again cheap saves because people looking for these guys are such hot commodities these bullpen situations are such hot topics right now because there's people like me who i'm scrambling for for any type of save in in one of my leagues and it's a league that my team's really good in so it's really aggravating that my one weakness is is saves and it's because i have gibbons hollands and i had strickland those were my three those were my three guys that I went into the season with thinking, okay, low end, but I'll get them. And now I have one closer out of the three between injury and just not getting opportunities. So the last guy we're going to touch on that I think is going to grab that Mariners job is Swarzak. Now you guys can, I don't know if you guys want to chime in and have other players, but I think Swarzak, he's back in, he's back tonight. He's, he was activated. I'm hoping the Mariners get the same opportunity so we can see if he's already being thrown into it or not. But I think ultimately it's his job to take uh, everybody else that's kind of gotten a chance since Strickland, Garrett included, who I thought was going to get the initial chance before Suarez that got back. He did, but he got hurt. Or not hurt, sorry. He uh, he just struggled and was replaced, and someone else got the save. I can't think of the name right now. It's another mess of a situation, but I think either Garrett gets another shot or I think Suarez that gets thrown into it right away. Another situation where the guy just won your deal and there's no reason not to build up his value before shipping him out you know, same reason why I like Strickland, the same reason why I like Swarzak. So I'm adding, so I mean, I've added Swarzak to get ahead of this little excitement thing about him. And I'm, I think he's available in one league tonight. The league I got Ian Kennedy actually. So I guess who's going to go blow some more fab on him. <laughs> I'm chasing saves. This is when it gets ugly. This is why, this is why streaming saves can get really ugly and expensive in, in leagues with fab. This is ugly. Swarzak is not somebody that I am excited about at all. He was, he was beyond dreadful for the Mets last year, and he was traded away, part of the Edwin Diaz-Cano deal. I personally am staying away because I don't trust him at all, and I really wouldn't cut bait with anybody of value until, you can, until we see what happens and how that situation plays out. No, but yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you on Swarzak. You know, um, he did pick up a handful of saves last year, but he's, he's probably the next man up there. Nothing really much, much more to that. That's that's what it's gonna. 
we won't know until they get their next opportunity. Um, but he's definitely the next guy to keep an eye on. I mean, real quick on him, 2017, he did have a solid year. He pitched 71 innings uh, with a 2.33 ERA and a 2.74 FIP. So he's shown that he's been decent in the past. So we'll see if he can bounce back to that. But I think that's it, guys. We covered a little bit of everything. Week one, uh, standouts, uh, ad drops, some breaking news during it, causing some excitement and chaos. But I think all in all, it was a fun episode. Again, follow us on Twitter. I'm Mike Curlin, at Mike underscore Curlin. I'm joined by George and Zach. George, you can follow on Twitter at jmontes 90 and, and Zach, you can follow him on Twitter at RafZ. But it's getting late, and we got to go. So talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>